Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah, welcome to a new edition of Warriors 24-7. This is a spin-off of the Rick Barry Show, the my Hall of Fame and member of the NBA 75th anniversary team, Rick Barry, the legend himself. He's not going to join me today. Um, I decided to record this very last minute, uh, and our schedules just could not match up. I think he was actually doing like another uh, radio or TV show or something today. He had some uh, media commitments. Um, but So I'm recording this on uh, October 27th. It's a Wednesday. Um, it's the morning after the Warriors beat the Oklahoma City Thunder on the road to improve to 4-0. This is the first time they've started a season 4-0 since that historic 2015-2016 year. Uh, when they won 73 games. And, you know, Dub Nation is ecstatic. They're stoked. They're thrilled. I mean, this team is, again, right now they're at the top of the heap. Um, ESPN and the NBA recently released their power rankings, and the Warriors were number two in those rankings. Um, uh, who are they behind? I, I'm actually drawing a total brain fart blank on that. But, look, that that's a big deal. All right, time to take a quick break to talk about our official sponsor, Bet Online. They're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season. I've been having me a lot of fun betting on some NBA and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, just use their promo code BELIEVE50, that is B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. I mean, this is a team that two years ago was abysmal, right? I mean, you know, it was the year after they lost the NBA Finals and the pandemic hit and Steph Curry played, what, like a total of four games the whole year um, or something like that. It was a very minimal amount of games. And the Warriors had uh, the worst record in the NBA. They got the number two pick. Um, and that resulted in James Wiseman. Then last year, you know, they, they have the eighth best record in the Western Conference. They're six games above 500 to end the year, which is awesome, right? I mean, these are, these are, that's progress. Um, but despite that, I mean, in a very competitive uh, Western Conference, despite finishing as the eighth seed, and again, six games over 500, you know, that's no chicken scratch. That's, a, that's impressive. You know, that's something to be proud of. But um, they lost the first playing game, as you all remember, to the Lakers. They lost the second playing game to the Grizzlies, and their season ended. They got a lottery pick. They also had the Minnesota Timberwolves lottery pick that resulted in Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. Um, so when you're when you're going two straight years with nothing but lottery picks to start a season 4-0, to have major media uh, place you at such a high ranking, number two, um, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. You know, if, if you love the Warriors, like I certainly do, um, you're ecstatic, you're thrilled, you're pumped, you're stoked for this team. Um, but again, a huge difference between myself and, and other Warriors fans uh, is that unlike some other members of Deb Nation, I'm not a cheerleader. 
I'm not here to literally just go rah, rah, go Warriors. Everything to do is right. Everything they say and, and accomplish is perfect. No, I mean, there is always room for criticism. There's always room for growth. There's always room for improvement. That's one of the many things I love about, um, again, my, my podcast compadre, Rick Barry, my longtime friend, is that we both love and appreciate greatness tremendously. We, we both strongly believe that you can always improve on whatever it is you're doing in life. That's one of the huge reasons why I've always loved surfing. I've been, I've been hitting the water for nearly 25 years of my life, and I could still get substantially better at it. And I love that challenge. And so despite the fact that the Warriors have started this year 4-0, and um, there is room for improvement. And there are three things that are sticking out to me that is that are huge warning flags um, that I do really want to address uh, because there's a, a huge difference between being ecstatic about 4-0 and starting the year off as, as strong as they are and having world championship aspirations. And the product I am seeing right now on the floor is not a world championship team. Not yet. Um, they're, they're still far away from that. Are they getting there? Yes. But are they there? No. And there are three things that are alarming to me that uh, I, I wanted to address on this podcast today that the Warriors absolutely need to make changes on. Um, first of all, the, the team ahead of the Warriors in, in various ranks, at least so on ESPN, they have the Warriors fifth in their power rankings uh, behind the Milwaukee Bucks, the Utah Jazz, um, and the Jazz were number one in the power rankings for, for, our, for uh, NBA.com. And they also have the Nuggets and the Brooklyn Nets ahead of the Warriors. Why the Brooklyn Nets are ranked that high with a 1-2 and two record, I have no idea. That team's not impressing anyone right now. Um, but regardless, look, you're fifth in ESPN's rankings, you're second in the NBA rankings. But nonetheless, this is not a championship team right now. There, it, it is not. And there are reasons for that. And I'm going to go into that in just a moment here. Um, I guess first things first is um, what I thought would be a very regular soundbite, which is the Jordan Poole party, if it's going to be that kind of party. But I'm learning now that we're not going to play that sounder on every show. That even though Jordan Poole made tremendous strides from his rookie year and his second year and even last year when he was sent to the G League for a little while, um, he has not attained that level of consistency that you need to be a truly great player in the NBA. Could he win most improved player? Is he already a solid con contributor? Uh, given just a couple years ago, he was not forecasted to be in the team's future plans. Absolutely. Um, he's averaging right now, I believe, 15 points per game. That's not bad through four games. And more specifically, he's averaging 15.3 points per game, uh, 2.8 rebounds, 4.3 assists. But here's where the huge issue comes. His plus minus in that Oklahoma, Oklahoma City game was minus 17. Minus 17. That means the Warriors were outscored by the Oklahoma City Thunder by 17 points when he was on the floor. And whether it was a poor choice of offensive decisions, ranging from shot selection to uh, possible passes, I, I, you know, and this is where I did really want to have Rick on because as someone who's one of the 75 greatest players in the history of this game. I personally believe he's one of the top 25 players all time. Um, I would have loved his expertise and insights on this in terms of why he thinks Jordan Poole is struggling. Now, again, 15.3 points per game may or may not be considered struggling, right? For most players in the NBA, that's actually a great stat. Um, he's putting up the type of numbers that we were hoping Kelly Oubre Jr. 
was going to was going to put up for the Warriors last year. So I can maybe see the rationale behind Bob Myers and Lacob deciding not to keep uh, Kelly Oubre because they, they probably thought Jordan Poole was going to supplant those points and the offensive production. Um, but when you have a minus 17 as your stat, um, when you are 0 for 7 from the three-point line, that's a huge issue. That is a huge issue. Um, and, and there's more to that. You know, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the box score right now, and he played a total of 29 minutes. 29 minutes is not a lot for a player that figures to be incredibly important in your overall plans. He was not in the game to finish the half or the fourth quarter. Damian Lee was playing that shooting guard position. By the way, Damian Lee had a fantastic uh, game. But Jordan Poole in that Oklahoma City game, again, his plus minus negative 17. Um, he only had one turnover, which is good. But to only score 10 points and to go 0 for 7 from 3. You know, the only thing I could think of in terms of, of advice to give Jordan Poole is stop thinking you're Stephen Curry. A lot of those threes are very deep. They're contested. They're difficult. There's only one Stephen Curry in this game. There's only one Klay Thompson in this game, who, by the way, it is now clearly apparent that they're going to need him, hopefully sooner than later, if this team wants to win a championship. But again, 0 for 7 from 3, 10 points total. Um, You were 5 for 14 from the field in that game. That's not good. That is not good. So Jordan Poole is a concern, and I don't know if it's the pressure of, of suddenly being in the starting lineup. You know, Steve Kerr was quoted as saying uh, he envisions Jordan Poole being a sixth man. Maybe that's more his role. Maybe he's just going to be a bench player who, for this team, contributes. And, and honestly, maybe that's all they need from him. I don't know. But clearly the hype surpassed the reality of this player. And granted, this is only four games, but I'm a little concerned now about the pool party. And we're not going to be playing that soundbite every time. I think he's going to have great nights here and there. Um, but at the same time, he's going to have stinkers like this. And a lack of consistency night after night, again, is what separates good from great in most sports and especially in the NBA. So Jordan Poole is kind of a concern. And I am very happy that, uh, that again, Damian Lee stepped in there, stepped up, scored 20 points in that game. Um you know, he was four for seven from three. Amazing. That corner three is really his niche. That is, that's his bread and butter for sure. Um, but Jordan Poole, I, you know, again, I don't know if, if we just maybe had overly high expectations for him. I you know I try to speak to a lot of uh, Warriors fans on social media, especially Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Dog Surf Rocho. And, and, you know, most people are just, you know, telling me to, to relax that it's early. But, you know, I, I from, from what he was doing in the preseason, and, and the way he finished last year, I wasn't expecting a 15 points per game, night on, night off type of player. I was expecting night on every night and a 20 plus point per player game. Not a player who's going to go 0 for 7 from 3. Not a player who um, loses Steve Kerr's confidence to the point where he's not closing games. That to me is the most alarming aspect of Jordan Poole. Steve Kerr is clearly feeling the same way because Poole is not closing games out. And when when... To me, the players that a coach trusts the most 
are the ones that are playing in those closing minutes because that's what it matters the most. Now, that leads me to my second complaint and my second concern and second issue with this Warriors team, and that is their first quarter defense and their first half defense to a, to a lesser extent. They're giving up 31.5 points per game in the first quarter. In all four of these games, they've gone into the half losing. And despite that, they're still 4-0. The Warriors tweeted out uh, a brief stat from ESPN like that was a good thing. (laughs) That they're losing all these games of the half only to come back. That's a huge detriment. That's a huge problem because A... Your starting lineup is playing horrible defense. And again, this is where I would have loved Rick to be here to maybe provide some insights as to why that is. I don't know if it's a lack of energy. I don't know if it, if the lineup itself is not conducive for great defense. And I don't know if, if, if it's Looney or Poole who is uh, the, the issue there because you're not going to take Wiggins, Draymond, or Steph out of the starting lineup. So is Jordan Poole having lapses defensively? I feel like he's been playing okay. That's been one of his stronger suits. Um and, and Kevon Looney, you know, he might have some defensive lapses here and there, but he's also playing really tough minutes inside. And, and this Warriors team doesn't have a lot of size to begin with, so they need him. But they've got to shore up that, that, that first quarter and first half defense. And the reason why primarily is because you're not going to always be able to come back against teams and win. And more importantly, against a team like Oklahoma City, you have to take advantage of playing these weaker teams so that your veterans can rest in a long season. That game last night, the Warriors should have been resting Stephen Curry. They should have been resting Draymond Green. They should have been resting maybe Wiggins. He's pretty young, so I don't know if you need to to rest him, but Otto Porter Jr., I didn't like him playing late in the game. I don't like Andre Iguodala playing late in the game. That was a chance for the Warriors to rest their starters while at the same time playing your younger players and developing them. But instead, you have to play your your veterans deep into the fourth quarter to finish the game just so you can win against a very measly Oklahoma City Thunder team that could be the worst in the NBA, certainly one of them. So that first quarter defense, and to a lesser extent, that first half defense, the second quarter D is not giving up as many points, but 31.5 points per quarter, per first quarter to start the season, not good. That is not good. And they need to tighten that D up to start games so they're not playing under pressure and so that they could hopefully rest their veterans in the fourth quarter and save them for later in the season and for the postseason when the games are really, really important. And that leads me to my third and final issue with this Warriors team. Where is Jonathan Kaminga and where is James Wiseman? Now, that's a rhetorical question, obviously, because we know they're injured. But these are your two high lottery picks. James Wiseman, number two pick. You took him over LaMelo Ball, who's lighting up the NBA now. I I don't know if he would have been a a great fit for the Warriors. Rick and I were not super ecstatic on drafting him. But what I did learn later is that the Warriors could have made a trade and swapped with Minnesota for number one pick and gotten Anthony Edwards. That's who I wanted. And Minnesota was not asking for much. I don't know if it would have just been an Eric Pascal who gave up for a second round pick and who, on a side note, I feel like they could have used right now. I still don't understand that trade to give him up for nothing. 
you could have used that big body in there. He was he was developing a post game. He gave you easy baskets. He was injury prone, but so far, James Wiseman, you could call injury prone because he has no experience. He's never played summer league. He's never played in the preseason. He played a very limited amount of games last year before his knee injury. He played three games in college. We have no track history with James Wiseman. So for all we know, this could be his career. Do you remember Greg Odom, number one pick as a center, who never played because his knees were always shot? I am praying to God that does not happen with James Wiseman. But, you know, and Rick and I talked about this in a podcast a month or so ago about how his injury should not have warranted six months off the court for a knee for a meniscus injury. Those those you can come back from in six weeks. And I know they're playing it safe, but we, this kid needs to play. Because if he if this ends up being James Wiseman's career, always sitting on the bench being injury prone, you blew it. Golden State, you blew that draft pick. You could have traded up and given up next to nothing with Minnesota and gotten Anthony Edwards. Could you imagine that guy on our team right now on the Warriors? You could have gotten LaMelo Ball. And instead, you went with a big man who I didn't object to at the time. I don't think most people did. But where is he? Be transparent with the fan base, Dubs. Tell us what's going on with this guy and when he's going to actually play. We haven't seen any dates. We're not getting that many updates. We're now four games into the season with no idea when he's going to play. And Jonathan Kaminga. You took him over Davion Mitchell. I was a part of a lot of mock drafts where I represented the Golden State Warriors this last offseason. And in every mock draft I was in, I proudly took Davion Mitchell. I was on Twitter boasting about how he would have been a tremendous draft pick for this Warriors team. He would have been not only the successor to Stephen Curry, but he could have played alongside him as an incredible defensive enforcer. And what we're learning is a great offensive player as well. But you took Jonathan Kaminga, and again, he wasn't available in any of my mock drafts. It was it was a surprise he fell to number seven, and that's why the Warriors felt they had to take him. But you know what? One game, two preseason games, he, he he strains his his patella tendon, and we're now four games into the season, no updates on when he's going to play. I know he got he, he was cleared for full practice with the team, but we were told he's we're not going to get an update on when he's going to actually be in the lineup until Friday. And the reason why I bring this up is because in a game like what we just saw with the Thunder, that's when Moses Moody should be playing. I, I don't think he got any minutes in this game. He got zero minutes, was in there for 46 seconds, um, had no stats whatsoever. I, I don't even remember him being in the game. I'm looking at the stat sheet right now from the Warriors pre, uh, PR department. And, you know, why isn't Moses Moody playing more? You know, where is Kaminga? Where is Wiseman? Those kinds of games, when you're in a stretch of your schedule where you're playing other teams who are full of young players, who are full of inexperienced players, this is where the Warriors should be playing their own young players to develop them, not their veterans deep in the fourth quarter to squeak out a win over a team like OKC. And these three things I just touched on concern me. I love this team. I I really do believe from the bottom of my heart that the X factor, the variable that could take this team to the top and win a title is chemistry. They have that. And that's so invaluable. But they got to tighten up that early defense. 
Jordan Poole, you know, I don't know if this is just to, what to expect or maybe there could be things he could tweak in his game to improve, but he needs to improve. And when are we going to see the young guys? Where is Jonathan Kaminga? Where is James Wiseman? You know, I was part of the uh, the, the the post-game presser. I was, I was virtually uh, there and I wanted to ask her these kind of questions, but apparently a storm was coming and, and I think they only took two questions total and they were both to uh, NBC Sports Bay Area reporters. Um, so I didn't get a chance to ask anything. I tried, but I was, I really wanted at least one of those three questions answered from, from uh, either, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, uh, Steve Kerr, Damian Lee, or, or Stephen Curry, who were at the podium after the game. Um, I didn't get a chance to ask him that, but I'm beyond curious. And, and those are things that this team needs to improve on because again, my expectations for this team is world championship. I think they could do this. Um, and I really hope they do. I'm going to end the show uh, with Tim Legler. He was on, a, on a, a radio show featuring one of the most worthless media members on the planet. Um, uh, Jay Williams. I cannot stand that person's opinions. I, I don't think he's a very smart individual, but ESPN is paying him. But anyway, so so Tim Legler, who Rick has a strong relationship with, we hope to have uh, Tim on the show soon, was on a radio show with Max Kellerman, uh, Jay Williams, and, and Keyshawn Johnson. And he was, he was like, without hesitation, saying that Stephen Curry um, is not only your early favorite for MVP, but he's going to win it. Four games in, he proclaimed it. So here is Tim Legler talking about that uh, on a radio show about Stephen Curry being the early favorite for MVP. Steph Curry is going to be MVP. Just write it down right now. Steph Curry's going to be MVP of the league. Yeah, let me... Put it, write it down. Go ahead. Yeah. Put it on the big board. I'll be here all year. We can revisit it. Um, I'm watching Not KD it. or Harden when the Nets start to get hot. Here's not... why. Here's why. I'm looking at that team last night. I know, look, I know they're not playing a, a, a very good team, but I'm looking at that team. I'm going, look at the Warriors roster. Honestly, let's look at their Jordan roster right Poole. now. Jordan Poole, Damian Lee, yep. Devon Looney, Looney, right? Wiggins. Yeah. Right. Wiggins. Right, Iguodala, but Iguodala. look at where he is offensively at this stage of his career. Wiggins is a good NBA player, a good scorer. He's not a star. Obviously, Draymond Green does star-like things in what he does. Steph Curry is the out offense. there with this group, and they're undefeated. <clears throat> and I'm going to talk about a play later this morning, back-to-back -back plays that broke the game up when he didn't shoot the ball, and he had three guys chasing him around that led to wide-open threes for role players. He's going to average around 30. They're going to be in the top four in a Western Conference. That spells MVP to me mm -hmm. with this roster. That's a hell of a case. It's a hell of a particularly case. Particularly if you don't get Clay Thompson back till mid-season, mid maybe January, maybe February before he's himself, and you're in the top four in the West, and he puts up those numbers in addition to what he creates for other people without touching the ball or without shooting the ball, to me... Make him the odds-on favorite, at least. I think, yeah. he's, I think he is. All right, and that should do it. Um, many thanks again to my compadre for this show. Hall of Famer, member of the NBA 75th anniversary team, Rick Barry. Uh, love you. I wish you could have joined me today, but uh, hopefully he'll be back with me on the next show. Um, you can follow this program on all social media platforms at Warriors24Pod. You can follow Rick on all social media platforms at Rick24Barry. And you can follow me on Twitter at DogSurfRoadShow. Um, and again, we're going to be pumping out a lot of these shows throughout the season. Um, and, you know, the Warriors, again, you're 4-0. Congratulations. But you could do better. And I just pointed out three things that they definitely need to work on and improve on um, or change, you know, depending on how you want to approach it. But 
Um, love this team, and, and I see greatness in them, and, and I hope they uh, they continue doing so. They, they got a game coming up against the Grizzlies. That's going to be a challenge. Um, but if they can start off strong, um, I do foresee a victory uh, in the books for your Golden State Warriors. Um, thank you very much, and take care. Presented by Bet Online. I don't Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.